Hello, and welcome to a little talking trope mini for your midweek. Uh, <laughs> we just wanted to uh, to expand on our last topic, which was uh, Netflix teen rom-coms, uh, to focus in a little bit more on a particular pair of rom-coms that are more similar to each other than the other ones are to each other, and yeah. also more different in in quality, in tone, in enjoyment factor, and in reception, especially. Yeah. Uh, so we, we wanted to expand that conversation. Yeah, so today we're diving into uh, two Cyrano de Bergerac adaptations that have come out in the past, uh, like, three years, both of them. Yeah. Uh, the first one is Sierra Burgess is a loser, uh, and the other one is the half of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Basically the the reason this episode exists is because I watched the half of it for for our uh Netflix YA teen drama uh episode. Um And I skimmed and, it. I didn't have time to watch the whole it. thing. Yeah. And yeah. that but, that really I... bummed Hannah out in a major way. <laughs> so we had to have make me watch it in full and then have a longer conversation about it. Yeah, because uh, I I fell in love with the half of it. So full right. disclosure, coming out with that right out of the gate. But I think it's also a good opportunity to talk about uh, the source material, Cyrano de Bergerac, which we all had to read yeah. for high school, I'm assuming. Uh, and we all thought that, oh, man, this is like a really lame play. <laughs> I loved Cyrano de Bergerac, so... I, I thought like, it was lame. That's fine. It's like, oh... Woe is him. He's got a big nose and he's the smartest, cleverest, most loyal, most artistic, poetic genius to ever live. Uh, and so we gotta we gotta watch this nerdy, play about him and his unrequited love. Angst, I was a nerdy, angsty eighth grader, and the idea of unrequited love like kills me every time and especially did then. And like, I don't know. I, I couldn't be it. the only person. I wasn't able to find any like, actual legitimate scholars who write about this but i can't be the only person who thought like Cyrano de bergerac is like an anti-semitic jewish character like he's a he's a he's like got a big nose and he's like an intellectual and he you know he's like pursuing like this you know pure fair maiden character i mean it's like it's like He's best friends French, with a guy named Christian. So, I know. It, I mean, it's a French play, right? So, yeah, very. Or you it's know. set in France. In like, and it was written in eighteen ninety seven or something. Like so, the, the Dreyfus that... affair was not too long after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I I think of him as kind of like a you know a, a, a anti Semitic Jewish uh, <laughs> character, playfully anti Semitic, delightfully anti Semitic. We'll say. Yeah, um, I'll take it. I loved Cyrano, um, and apparently so did the world, because there are a lot of Cyrano de Bergerac adaptations. Like, yeah. we're we're really nearing, um, you know, I mean, not nearly, I guess, as many as, like, Pride and Prejudice, or how many times that movie's been remade, or, like, Romeo and but, Juliet. You know, we'll, we'll just list them lot. here briefly. Uh, the, the most famous one, I think, that people recognize is Roxanne. The uh, the Steve Martin movie where he has the big prosthetic nose and they really make a big deal out of the nose. It's a very slapsticky film, which I think is yeah. interesting take on it. Um, 
And then after that, there was a, a weird one. Uh, it was the first gender swap, I think, which was The Truth yeah. About Cats and Dogs with Uma Thurman and Janine Garofalo, where rather than it being like love letters that get like things switched around in terms of who's saying what, it's that she hosts a radio show that is about pet advice and Uma Thurman is like just her hot friend who knows nothing about pets. Mm-hmm. And so the guy falls for the voice, but thinks that the voice belongs to a tall, sexy blonde. And so it can't be Janine Garofalo, who's very short. I don't know. It doesn't work because, again, like Janine Garofalo, perfectly good looking person. Yeah. A lot of these, I, I think like if they just added like a huge nose, like a big prosthetic nose, like it would work better. Because right. at least then they'd have something to be really insecure about. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I mean, I, we talked about this a little bit in our uh, YA teen romance on Netflix episode. Um, but like Sierra Burgess falls directly into this trap as well. You know, right, where yeah. like the main actress is like what, Hollywood. Too afraid to give, uh, <laughs> to give your, your Stranger Things actress a huge onk and schnozzle. Uh <laughs> You know, whatever. Um, another one that, that came out very recently was Hashtag Roxy, which is like a very like we're going to modernize that Cyrano de Bergerac story that we're going to modernize the hell out of it. So now instead of being like a poet and like a like a, you know, a, a raconteur, he's like a hacker. He's a, he's a, oh my God. he's a hacker who hacks things. Although there's hacking involved in, uh, in Sierra Burgess as well, briefly. So yes. weird. Um, and then there well, was, this and Sierra Burgess were, came out in the same year. I believe Sierra Burgess was also 2018. Yeah, that's, that's right. But this one's not Netflix affiliated. Uh, no. and it's, it's a man with a big schnuzzle and, uh, he's, <laughs> You know, he's he's doing his thing. It's fine. It's yeah, whatever. It's fine. I think it's got a Twilight actor in there to play the hot guy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was Let It Shine with the, the Everybody Hates Chris actor on the Disney Channel. It's a DCOM. Anybody remember Let It Shine about the no. rapper who's rapping for somebody who's got, you know, a better face, but, but he's the <laughs> rapper? I don't know. It's stupid. Like... Everybody hates Chris guy looks fine. He could be a, a rap star. Who knows? Right. Um, so weird. And then whatever it takes was sort of like, I guess a logical extension of the Sierra Burgess thing, which is, uh, or, or of the Cyrano de Bergerac thing, which is mm-hmm. you just have two guys and they're both trying to get the opposite girl of their personality. Mm-hmm. And so they switched personalities. <laughs> ish it's It's not like a freaky friday thing it's like a it's like they teach each other how to be more like the other one to get the girls and james franco's in it yeah so it's been done it's been done um i mean like the whole premise is definitely a little cringe you know like you know you are playing kind of with someone's feelings and tricking them into liking you and you know that's not particularly ethical um right but it's it's all about like the play what we were taught in high school was that it's a play about virtue ethics right like it's a a play about about when you make a promise to someone you can't break it even if it breaks your heart 
and like right. keeps you from happiness. So like, you know, he the the main guy Cyrano, he's not doing this to get Roxy like by tricking her into getting with this hot guy. Uh, right. He's doing it out of like loyalty to his friend. Um, well, loyalty to his friend, and you know, this was the part that I always thought was like a little bit romantic. Um, you know, is the idea that you love someone so much that you are willing to sacrifice your own happiness for their happiness. Right. They could only be happy with Christian. This other person. This other person, whatever. Yeah. Um, All right. You know, I guess that is somewhat romantic. It's just, you know, also creepy. (laughs) Doesn't do it for you. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think Sierra Burgess is a more self, you know, not self-aware, but more, um, you know, self-awarely taking the plot and just repurposing Cyrano de Bergerac for today. Um, There's a lot of, like, moments where it's clearly referencing a specific moment in Cyrano, like when Sierra Burgess is, like, in the bathroom and Veronica, the, the, you know, the mean girl, is like, uh, move it, Frodo. And she's like, um, actually... Frodo wasn't ugly. It was Quasimodo who was ugly in a totally different book. And it's like, that's supposed to be like Cyrano saying like, oh, you're only saying that my nose is very big when you could be saying that uh, it's so big that uh, my mother couldn't get me out of her womb because my nose was big. <laughs> like he comes up with other other insults. Right, like like Cyrano, you know, is Eminem and 8 Mile, where he's like, oh, yeah, I'll no. fucking troll myself first before the other guys can, so don't even worry about is it. Is 8 Mile a Cyrano de Bergerac adaptation? <laughs> no, no, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it is it is that beat. Um, but, but, so, I, I don't know. So that's what that's going for, and then the half of it is more like trying to tell a very personal story through some well-recognized tropes uh that make it more digestible than just the sheer awkwardness of high school in a small town uh as a as a queer second generation uh immigrant right really first generation first generation american right yeah um it's it's very incredible. Um, and, I, and I think that's one of the major differences between, you know, the, the Sierra Burgess um, Netflix version and the half of it is just, like, who was mostly involved in the production. You know, like, this was not something that Netflix commissioned, you know. I don't uh, think that either of them were. I think that the process, oh. the process by which these get greenlit is very much what we were talking about last week, which was... You know, people are more willing to produce a teen rom-com today than they were Mm -hmm. five years ago because we've had the success of The Kissing Booth and, you know, now the success of more dramatic ones like uh, All the Bright Places. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that the way that these get made is honestly very similar, like, in terms of the production. I don't know that for a fact, but I think, like, they weren't commissioned... Uh, I, I think the actor from Stranger Thing was was not added to the project until like a couple years after it was greenlit. So, you know, these things take time right. to produce. Right, right. Um, but I mean, you know, one is very much uh, one one feels very personal, and one feels very marketable. <laughs> 
No, you know? yeah. And it, and that like, has think... been sort of the the reception is that like one is yeah. the more commercial viable product. It has star power and it has and by star power I mean like product synergy with stranger things mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's got Noah Centineo in it and it's like you know, it's this big corporate sort of product, and then this is the more authentic, like, art, prestige, you know, level film. I do want to challenge that instinct a little bit, because I, I want to, okay. as we sort of go through, identify, there's a lot of things that I think people would identify in Sierra Burgess as, like, cringe or cliche or whatever that work better in the half of it because it's just like better written but that sort of put it in the same category so i I think we should just kind of like start going through it i I don't know exactly how you want to proceed no go ahead i mean do you do you have like a specific example in mind when you uh, okay yeah up. sure so like i guess just the things that that you know you sort of implied that like the half of it wasn't really like a teen rom-com right in our, in our last discussion i mean it definitely is um it's just like the teen rom-com that i would go see <laughs> right it's like it's good it's like it's fun it's watchable but like it still has like a lot of the things like the first meeting between uh, Ellie, our our main character, and Aster, our love yeah. interest, our Roxanne, mm-hmm. uh, is like a legit meet cute bump into each other in the hallway, and then mm-hmm. you know she says like, "Oh, I see that you like this movie that I also like," and "Oh, I've seen you around town." It's like very by the books meet cute, um, and uh, I think also you know there, there's like a the scenes with like the the mean girls in in uh, the half of it where it's usually Aster complaining about like having to live up to the expectation of being pretty. It'll show like a bunch of girls who are always dressed exactly the same, you know, walking down the line. Yeah. It's like this weird moment of kind of like mean girls style, like exaggeration, comedic exaggeration that doesn't gel with the rest of the the tone. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. The, the moments, um, where we're sort of like in Aster's shoes and, you know, watching her interact with those mean girls are definitely the most jarring parts of the film, I think. Right. And I think that like, although the, the half of it is kind of like afraid to have um, Ellie like break down in the way that Sierra does, like mm-hmm. she just like, is like crying. He's like a nervous wreck. She's like crying all the time. And like any little thing that goes wrong, she'll like collapse into like, a fit of anxiety whereas ellie is like more reserved or whatever so she just kind of goes cold and depressed when you know things go bad for her in the third act um but they'll still do the thing you know like you know they'll play a song like a meaningful song and that'll like bring them out of a funk and they'll uh you know they'll they'll have like somebody show up at their house and like be like hey cheer up ellie or sierra you know right yeah, I mean, both of them have, because doesn't Sierra uh, write a song as well in yeah. Sierra Burgess? Right, there's an original song in, like, right. both of these. Yeah, I, I actually don't, I don't know for sure that Ellie's song is an original song, but I know that, oh. I, I didn't look it up, uh, but I know for sure that, uh, that uh, Sierra's song, Sunflower, oh god, it's so awful, because she's like, I'm not like other girls. I'm not a rose. I'm a sunflower, which is also pretty and known only for being pretty. 
Right. There's no one who looks at a sunflower as like, that's gross. If she had said like, I'm a Venus flytrap or <laughs> I'm a weed, you know, that'd be something. Right. Like I'm a dandelion right. or something. Honestly, for, for Sierra Burgess, and like this is like the main thing that I wanted to say that I didn't say in the other one, is that um, Taylor Swift should have got a writing credit on this film. Uh, <laughs> because they use her songs so much. They don't, I don't think they ever actually use her songs, but that song is like so similar to the, the Taylor Swift like <laughs> structure of songs. And at uh-huh. one point she's literally cheer captain and Sierra is literally on the bleachers. <laughs> oh my God. You're right. David. And, and you she's, and she's acting face. like he belongs to her. <laughs> Oh my god! Taylor Swift <laughs> plus Cyrano de Bergerac equals Sierra Burgess is a loser. And I think right. you have definitely cracked that math code. I, I mean, I just, like, it's so straightforward. Like, the, the idea that, like, being a band geek is just code for being unpopular. But, I mean, the thing is, like, as a former, like, band kid... It's like uh-huh. clicks are just kind of insular and they have their own hierarchies within them. Like right. it's it's hard to measure hierarchies in high school outside of clicks. I mean, again, I think it's we have a hard time doing that because our high school was so large <laughs> that But I mean, it's just know, like you're telling me that like she couldn't find like a hot band kid to like hook up with at band camp. I mean, that's like the whole no, plot of what American Pie? I've never saw American Pie, but the <laughs> no, I'm just saying I agree. like the band kids, band kids. There are hot band kids. There are not hot band kids. There are charismatic band kids, and there are awkward band kids. I I'm just saying the agree. fact that she like thinks of herself as somebody who could never be loved because she's a monster, like, <laughs> is kind of insane right. as a band kid where she would have seven little you know uh clarinet playing or saxophone playing boys just like huddled around her at all times being like you're so cool i just think like you're so smart and like cool uh maybe we should like get a uh, a soda after band band practice (laughs) you know right it's just unbelievable that she would be so isolated even as somebody with really low self-esteem as as many people are Right. I mean, you know, I I wouldn't say entirely unbelievable, um, but, like, I think it's certainly incredibly overblown, um, because, like we've said, she is not particularly (laughs) bad-looking. Like, she's a very attractive woman, like, the end. Right. I I, want to know, like, what what do you see as, like, the key differences that make the half of it? Uh, work whereas Sierra Bird just doesn't work as much. So like part of me is definitely intrigued by the idea of seeing these uh, sort of classic romance tropes done like similarly to to their peers um, but done in some way that is slightly new with like the characters themselves, like, you know, make it queer, make it black, make it Asian, you know, like do it take this piece of, you know, traditionally uh, white, straight, heteronormative media and like just move it slightly to the left and like do it and kind of do it again, but do it with new characters. And I think if you're doing that from a place of authenticity, 
um, then you end up with new perspective on these stories, you know, because I okay. think making, making Cyrano a queer story, um, I think that resonates with people a lot more than it does if it's just like, oh, they got a big nose or like, oh, they're <laughs> like maybe a little bit bigger than like super skinny cheerleaders, question mark, you know, like it, I think there is still currently, at least, a real threat and a real fear that comes from being queer, especially in a small town. Right. I think um, it's the, the centering of the small town, the extreme religiosity, the, the, the church mm-hmm. as not only, like, the town's, like, epicenter, but also Ellie's connection to other people is almost entirely through the church and her, her organ playing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I definitely think that there's meaningful there's meaningful use of the um of of the representational choices that they make. They're not just mm. for prestige. It does impact right. the story in like a real way. But that also right. is part and... of prestige, right? Like the idea that <laughs> that you have to you have to make it worth it in order to to feature these uh you know, to feature more diverse casts. And right, so but, it has you know, to like, work in the story. I... I, I think that's why, you know, like, even something like Crazy Rich Asians, which, like, was so boundary-breaking because it was basically just a traditional romance, but it's set with, like, super rich Asian people. <laughs> and, like, sure, yeah. Like, that's the only difference. Um, but, like, I am not a person who generally enjoys rom-coms or, like, going to see them. I find them rather dull, usually, because mm. a lot of the tropes feel super similar and really expected. Um, but I think getting to see these stories in, like, this slightly new perspective where, hey, it's these characters telling this story. And, like, here's why these tropes are popping up in their stories, you know, and they're not their traditional reason why they're popping up in these more Western or heteronormative stories. Um, Cause you know, like I think, I think Ellie's uh, perceived fear is a lot more real than Sierra's, (laughs) you know? Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's always, it's a fear of social exclusion in a very temporary mm -hmm. way because it's high school and high school doesn't last. Right. But like, there's the, there's that scene where the the cool teacher there's that scene where the cool teacher is like, you know, like what's a better place to meet, you know, kids who are like you is college. So yeah. don't worry about high school. Both of these, both of these uh, movies have a cool English teacher, which yeah. is, ser- you know, it serves to highlight how proficient in writing the the protagonists are. Whereas, right. where I think that I I want to I want to sort of circle back to technology, which is something we didn't yeah. talk about a lot in last week but all of those movies the medium of communication is very central to the conflict and it results in a lot of miscommunications and 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 whatnot uh but it's essentially central here uh because yeah at a certain point at least when ellie stops writing letters it's all like text and calling and and trying to communicate using technology and you have to replicate people's emoji use so that you don't come off differently in text than this yeah. other person. So I think mm-hmm. the the technology is is very it's used differently between the two films but to both it's very central like 
communication mm-hmm. and oh god I'm, I'm losing my, my train of thought sorry oh no <laughs> no I agree that uh that sorry I agree that the mode of communication is definitely central um like one thing that Sierra Burgess does is they do like a video call where like Sierra is the voice for like like the pretty girl is sort of like on camera. Right. Just sort so of they like pretend that there's that there's a an audio on. lag. Um, yeah. Or or a video lag. I mean, and and I think that works really well for that scene. Uh, yeah. And then like, you know. At one point, there's a scene where uh, in 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 the half of it that Munsky, yeah. the boy, is texting the girl that he likes from one foot away, uh, pretending right, to text because... her because it's actually Ellie in a different room texting her uh, he because just he's has, blowing like, it. No chemistry with this girl. Right, and I like, think that that just, like, that makes it like. That makes that makes that element of it work, I think, a lot. The fact that, you know, she doesn't end up with him. She ends up with Ellie or not ends up with her. It's more of an open ended, yeah. you know, they, she ends up with no one. Which she ends I up with no like. one. She ends up with a friend in Munsky, which is nice. You know, like it's yeah. a, it's a story about friendship in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting how like each character has like a different form of communication and like and also a different way of loving that corresponds with their means of communication. So it's like mm-hmm. Ellie's main form of communication is by the written word, by letters. You know, she's an epistolary poet, you know, she can write letters really well. And then mm-hmm. uh, you know, Munsky, he can only communicate with emojis. And her father communicates entirely through film, like film as a medium for communication mm-hmm. becomes recycled back into the movie is communicating a message as well. The, mu- the movie is right. telling you a story uh, in order to tell you There's something. Layers. There's layers to it. And then, you know, uh, Aster communicates with art. And so she tries to send Munsky a message with her flower that's about like loneliness or something. And he can't, like, interpret it. He's just like, it's a pretty flower. And mm-hmm. so that's, like, when she starts to realize that Munsky couldn't possibly be the person that, she's, uh, texting. that she's been texting. Um, yeah. So I think, like, the thematic, you know, consistency of that movie is really good. Whereas in Sierra, it's it's, like, her voice is, like, so perfect that it doesn't really matter what she writes in fact, she can just send like quirky gifts that like any high schooler could send. And that's supposed to be like, this is me. M- like my my real being is just my voice and my ability to text a gif of, a, of an elephant yeah. as a joke. I'm not like other girls. I know about the elephant gif. Right. But I, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's more than just that like... It's more than just that she's not like other girls in that scene. It's that right. her digital self is considered to be more real. Her her like her like mm-hmm. herself absent her physical image is more real to her than herself. And that it's not yeah. till the end of the movie where she's able to like recombine her own self identity with her body image. Um, yeah. Which is why like in the in the opening scene she's like stepping out of the shower and her her body is revealed to us in like a very fragmented way, right? Mm-hmm. So we see her feet 
and then we see her face blurry and then like a fogged mirror and we see her shoulder with like her freckles and so we were getting a sense of her skin and then we finally see her face and then she's like you are a magnificent beast like she's trying to talk herself up affirmations right and then there's like really obvious symbology like kissing a turtle to symbolize that she's coming out of her shell it's very dumb dumb but uh but you could say maybe the same i wouldn't because i like this symbol but in in uh, the half of it i really like the scene where they're in the i'm not a catholic the room where they do confessions the booth the vestibule the i don't even know the vestibule I'm sure it's the vestibule so they go in there and that's like their form of confession but they're actually hiding things from other people. They're actually being deceitful in a confession booth. It's and ironic. It's not just ironic. It's like, it's also like about how religion itself is like stopping them from communicating their true selves to people. And I don't know. Right. There's something there. Yeah, for sure. There's also just like clearly interesting filmmaking. <laughs> I think, you know, like Sarah Burgess isn't pulling out like, fun camera well I, I think i think they're going for very different styles so i mean in right. sierra almost every scene is shot um with uh, a handheld probably steady cam mm-hmm. because it's not mm-hmm. shaking crazy but it's it's like a lot of movement and it's all lit very soft but also kind of uh oversaturated and like like very nostalgic kind of uh like lighting and coloring um mm-hmm. So it's it's like every scene is like looking at uh you know like a really nostalgic yearbook picture to me. It's like <laughs> that's what it feels like whereas the half of it is very like almost like Juno, you know, it's like yeah. kind of fuzzy and rough and like not quite lots of w- warm tones and yeah, like it's, sort it, of like a It's definitely more that. And then um also th- there's a, a much heavier use of montage to to convey like time and mm-hmm. sometimes like the the scenes aren't like that important on a literal level like the ping pong scene, right? Like Right. That that conveys very little information on a literal level but the fact that she you know is like ping pong is like a conversation and then we're seeing what a conversation between them is like in a visual way that's weird and then you know all the like cutting around you know her tutoring uh tutoring munsky in the booth and like drawing things on like a board to make it look like football like (laughs) it's conveying the energy of learning a lot of new things very quickly but it's not uh it's not literal it's all kind of montage i think right but i think it works you know like we don't need to know all the details right but i think it's Um, interesting to compare that to like the tutoring scenes in sierra where they're all like told in real time and mm-hmm. you're right there in the moment in this house that you're supposed to hate because it's like a poor people's house. Uh, and right. Like what, what else am I supposed to take from that? She's like overweight. So that's like a, a class signifier in America. Um, uh, her, her mom is overweight. I'm, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and she's like perfect and pretty, but like her life is a mess and her, her little sisters call her Moronica and they're obnoxious and her house is right. small like, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're supposed to hate her house, right? 
I think so, yeah. It's very classist. Right. So you're very, like, in that space, and you're experiencing trying to, like, learn while you're your your environment is preventing you from learning like she's right. not stupid she's just poor is kind of the <laughs> is kind of the message of that scene right which is not super comfortable <laughs> no it's not whereas you know like ellie is certainly not ri- like no one in this small town is really like super rich um yeah aside from like the guy who like owns the town um who you know aster is sort of dating question mark like honestly i feel like trig everyone's kind of (laughs) being disloyal in uh in the half of it you know it's Um, high school it's whatever yeah (laughs) but i know people people definitely get on cyrano about the like uh you know the cheating angle of it right and and on sierra yeah definitely yeah um I mean, let's talk about immorality. So, like, sure. So, like, a lot of people really hate that Sierra Burgess kisses the boy while his eyes are closed, uh, while and then goes on to like publicly shame uh, Veronica on social media because she kissed him, even though that was already their plan. So it's like their explanation for this is like Sierra is a person with low self-esteem, which is a horrible like explanation right but you know you compare that to uh to ellie who does a lot of similar things she you know is clearly pursuing aster and not really giving a shit about like munsky's like success in that realm because she's trying to kind of save aster for herself while deceiving her about what she looks like and what her you know Mm -hmm. uh what gender she identifies <laughs> as um right and uh and and so you know there's still the same like amount of deception maybe or would you consider sierra still to be more i think it's like again it's not great um but like sierra's I mean, I think it's worse because she takes it into the physical realm. Like, I think it's certainly an emotional violation that's being committed uh, by both of these people. Um, But, you know, there's a very consensual kiss that happens at the end of the half of it. Um, And, you know, everyone knows who they're kissing. Sure. Um, But, like, you know, the idea of Sierra is it's like... You know, if you were expecting to kiss one person and then you have another to kiss person. another person, that's like technically sexual assault. Like right. that's not you right. did not consent to that. It's you not, know, it's not good. Certainly, it's uh, not good. And uh, yeah, I think the other thing that really bothers me about Sierra that is not present in uh, in Ellie's case is mm-hmm. the pretending to be deaf. scenes which i mean so i don't want to just dismiss these because they are extremely cringe but that's the goal right like they're set out to put you in an awkward situation i think what ruins like what makes them work not even on that level for me is that afterwards she's like smiling and like happy that they had a connection Mm -hmm. and she never like 
she never has to like account for the fact that he has a deaf brother and she pretended to know uh, to know sign language in order to deceive him into thinking that she's deaf so that he wouldn't hear her voice and disturb her whole catfishing scheme yeah uh, yeah, it's different. That's, it's different than than what Ellie does. Different. <laughs> yeah. Where no, they, Ellie I mean, they, sense. I guess, at one point, hang out in a hot tub together without telling either of their male friends about it. But you know, that's totally acceptable. Um, yeah, but Aster, Aster isn't gay or doesn't know right. that she's gay and doesn't know that she's talking to Ellie. So yeah, she'll 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 be sure in a couple of years, right? Um, She's gotta go to college and get really gay, just like everyone else. Yeah, let's let's talk about college real quick, because like, <laughs> getting into college is like a theme in in both of them. Mm-hmm. But for Ellie, it's like about leaving her father alone or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I couldn't really yeah. follow her like her leaving the town. Like what what exactly that was. And so then... her mom died and her dad shut down, and she had to basically step in sure. and basically do his job. Um, and right. her dad was kind of refusing to learn English and be a part of the world. But did she and... still apply to this school and just wasn't telling her dad or? I, that part at the very end, it seemed like she was going for like a, like a stay or something. Like it was I also confusing. There was a, there was a moment where Munsky takes some, some letters that are addressed to places that I don't think had been mentioned in the rest they, of the... They had that... Um, he, they were places that he had been talking about um, where he wanted to potentially get, uh, like, food critics, basically, to uh, try his sausage taco. And so he finally uh, got the, you know, got the guts to mail yeah. them. And that's what that was. Okay. So the idea yeah. of getting out of the small town is, is part of it. Whereas Sierra wants yeah. to go to Stanford, which is a, you know, just generic good college that's hard to get into. Mm-hmm. Why does she want to go to Stanford? What does she want to study? Unimportant. The point yeah. is that she goes to this horrible counselor person who's like, do you speak any foreign languages? And she's like, well, three. One of them's Mandarin. She's like, Mandarin? Uh, do you know who speaks Mandarin? Bunch of fucking Chinese people. Uh, <laughs> I don't, it, like, it doesn't make any sense. Obviously, being able to speak Mandarin is good for a college resume. Getting straight A's yeah. is good for a college resume. At, at a certain point, it just becomes, your, it's about your your letters of recommendation and your, your uh, essay. SAT scores. And your SAT scores, oh, yeah. for sure. She said she got almost yeah. perfect on her SATs. So it's like almost not getting into Stanford. She's like, are you kidding me? You're not getting into a school unless you start a movement. And so that's why she like tries to join the boys track team. And it's like Mm -hmm. played for laughs that she's too not athletic to do that. This dumb girl being on the boys team. It's just like a, it's just like a subplot so that I guess her entire life doesn't center around boy one good yeah, boy. Yeah, but it doesn't affect the plot particularly. Yeah, well, at the end, you see that she got into Stanford, so it was never. Oh, so a it problem. paid off. <laughs> right. I guess like her thing is more so about like it's about her low self esteem, whereas Ellie is about her you know being closeted. She doesn't necessarily have low self esteem. She becomes the life of the party in that one mm-hmm. scene, but yeah. 
but it's not a problem of her being able to connect with other people socially. She just doesn't care about that that much. Right. And also like literally faces like racism, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. like, but she doesn't overcome like, racism. I, I guess no, I, no. Want, I think that's that important not... that it's not a movie about overcoming no, racism. It's, it's not about overcoming racism. <laughs> yeah. She does face racism. Right. Throughout. Though. Like, um, yeah, that is part of it. But like Sierra's um, I, I struggles. I do have to mention before we finish, cause, cause we're just about to wrap up, I think. Okay. Um, but I just love uh, the the himbo. He's so good. In Munsky, you're saying, as opposed to yeah. Noah, who is more well, more of like yes. a faux intellectual type, who's like, yeah, I read Nietzsche too. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whereas Munsky Noah, is, I could leave her tape. Munsky is a delightful himbo who why... ends up having a crush on right. Ellie herself. Well, I think he just thinks that she has a crush on him and, like, he's reacting oh. to that. Uh, I, I don't know. It was a weird scene to me because it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, th- there isn't, like, a, a specific scene setting up that he thinks that Ellie's into him and then kisses her. Right, but I think it's because he's kind of into her. Well, but we don't see that being established elsewhere either. All right. So... I... I saw it but but yeah um no i mean like i prefer munsky to uh uh popular girl uh skinny girl in sierra what's her name i can't remember well she wouldn't be the the parallel would she yeah she's the christian oh i guess yeah it's weird because it doesn't really fall it doesn't really track in sierra because veronica's doing it as a favor to sierra as opposed to the other way around right and sierra is the one who's into him not veronica so it twists it but i i i I, I thought you were comparing himbos to himbos whereas oh i I think it's interesting like that himbo to himbo i still think he wins (laughs) okay well and then i also uh, i also am curious like the the pretentiousness of sierra burgess where like they're talking about like oh the philosophers the great philosophers plato whatever does it work better for ellie because She's not a man mansplaining Nietzsche to <laughs> fucking, or is it because it's genuinely more intellectually, you know, she's smarter than Sierra. <laughs> I mean, I would say that there are definitely, you know, some cringe kind of faux pretentious lines. You like remains uh, of the of day. It. You like, you like, uh, what does she like? I can't remember. Wait, she, what? Ellie likes the movie Remains of the Day. Oh, oh, yes. What else? What else um, does Ellie like? I don't. Know. I don't know. She she just likes like certain books that like Astor's also into that you know Munsky is just like I don't really read. Sorry. <laughs> right. Um, well. But like, I I I just like you know there's the um. Isn't there like a quote from a philosopher at the beginning of Yeah, the, there's 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 the quotes it, in like... these like epigraphs like throughout. Yeah. Uh which I to me I mean it, I think it's like kind of pretentious in the same way that like Sierra Burgess is yeah. like we're smart. I agree. We get these things. We're intellectuals. We don't just like someone cuz they're pretty. We like someone because right. of their mind, all right? We're sapiosexual, right. you know, we're <laughs> we're not that kind of of shallow person. We're 
deep. I think that's what's. Um, I think that's what Cyrano de Bergerac has turned into uh, in in like this new postmodern sort of mediascape. Is it's become like well, the I mean, the, the pretty that... person is worse than the kind of awkwardly non traditionally attractive but really smart and like wields that intelligence but the thing that i think i i i think one thing that i like about um you know uh the half of it versus sierra burgess is that the half of it i feel like ellie retains some of that like like sort of charm and a little bit of the quick wit so to speak from like the play sure that i think is sort of what defines cyrano's character whereas like you know they try to do that with Sierra, but again, it's just like she corrects people about like what ugly movie character she's like, you know, which is not really like anything else. Like that's nothing. Sure. Um, and I think that, you know, I agree that both of them have little bits that are kind of pretentious. Um, but I think that the the aesthetic of the half of it earns that pretension a little bit more than sort of like the pop candy vibe from Sarah Burgess. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot more that we could talk about this. I think we could go on for hours, but uh, I, I don't know if either film really deserves it. I think, I think the main ending should be half of it is worth checking out. I think Sierra Burgess, you know, it's, it certainly has cultural resonance in a lot of the hate that it gets. And I think that it's an interesting movie, but I don't think that it's as enjoyable. Uh, it's just kind of like fun trash, you know. But, but yeah. not, that's not to <laughs> like, denigrate the filmmaking. It's just it's just to put it in a different category for me personally than mm-hmm. the half of it. It's not that deep, basically. Well, the depth is what you read into it. Again, like I said, the opening scene of like revealing her body in in pieces mm-hmm. and her split you know, identity through technology and her her relationship with her parents who are these 80s stars who were hot in the day, you know, but mm-hmm. now are old and they're considered the greats and her living up to that. There's like a metatextual element to all of it. So I, I think I think Sierra has depth. I think there's stuff to analyze. I just don't think it's as fun to watch as the half of it <laughs> uh, for me, for me personally. Fair enough. I would agree. Um, go watch the half of it. Yep. Tweet at us if uh, you want us to do a more minis like this and more uh, more deep dives on other epi- uh, episodes or movies that we've talked about. We'll see you at our regularly scheduled time uh, next Thursday. <laughs>